Welcome to Freedom Fellowship Church in Kakana, Wisconsin. We are a non-denominational, Bible-teaching Christian church. Visit us at cometofreedom.com. We hope you're encouraged by God's Word. Here's Pastor Landon Churchill with today's message. All right. How many of you guys like grizzly bears? Only a couple of you guys? How many of you guys have been to Yellowstone? A few of you. Grizzlies are pretty cool. Um, anyways... Grizzlies won't let anybody else eat with them, okay? It's just they find a meal, it is their meal, that's it, except for one animal. Anybody know who it is? Nope. The skunk. A grizzly knows better than to mess with a skunk, even though it's a little, I don't know what we'll call it. Some people think they're cute. I think they just stink. Um, <laughs> and the grizzlies know that too. So they're going to let them have their way. And no doubt the bear would like to, you know, take care of the intrusion. This is mine. Leave me alone. Nobody else. But the grizzly won't. And why? Because he knows the high cost of actually getting that skunk. And this morning, guys, we're going to be talking uh, about a neat parable that's set before us here as we finish up chapter 18 and we're going to be dealing with forgiveness this morning and really it comes back to our hearts and the bible uh, addresses bitterness uh, of the heart um, and to watch out for that so let's pray real quick father we uh we're looking to you and again i know that we've prayed already that your word would speak to us uh but we want to be hearers that are mixing your word with faith because we know your word is from you. We know it is right. It's what we need. It's true. So we pray and ask, Father, our hearts would be open this morning. We ask in your name. Amen? Amen. Amen. So bitterness is the most dangerous of all plagues to healthy Christian living. It is the cancer of the soul, and it claims millions and millions each and every year. It spreads faster than a common cold. Yet, there's a cure for this plague, and that is forgiveness. We need to forgive. Okay, so the common word here, forgive, is so important for you and I as children of the living God. The word is a common one, but the essence of the word is really the last part, and that's what? give that's what we are called to do is our heavenly father a giver by nature absolutely he gave a whole lot so we could be forgiven didn't he so to give or forgive means to give someone else a release from something wrong that they have done to you and it means to give up that right to retaliation you see god's forgiveness let's consider him for a second which uh, must coordinate with his justice is really based upon a payment for a penalty, be, a penalty by a substitute. And that substitute, as we know, is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he did that by giving himself upon the cross. You guys know one of the things that he said upon that cross was, Father, forgive them? Really? You're asking the Father to forgive the people who just pinned you to this tree? who are willing to torture you to the point you're going to die, forgive. You see, Jesus, I think, is the ultimate example of that demonstration of love, of forgiveness. So when God forgives, he forgives 
90% of what we've done wrong? How much, guys? 100%. Is that pretty cool to think about? So this is called judicial forgiveness. And I want to talk with you guys this morning about three different types of forgiveness in the Bible. And all forgivenesses, they're not alike. We need to understand that. So we're going to hit on three of them. One of the ones I'd like to look at with you guys is judicial forgiveness. That is when the eternal, there's an eternal forgiveness of all sins, all the sins we've ever done because of what Christ has done. They are completely forgiven. And this has to do with the believer's relationship with God. You see, it was done once and for all. It's eternal and conditioned only upon our faith in Christ. That's how a person is forgiven. It's the only way a person can be forgiven is through the Savior. You guys can jot down Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2. This has been hitting me big time. I think we might preach this next week for Easter. There's a lot here. But in Psalm 32, it says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven. Think about that. What joy there is for those whose disobedience has been forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt. There's nothing better in this life. And that's what people are looking for. That's what they are longing for. This is the hope that humanity needs, is this forgiveness to be right with one's maker. The sad part is a lot of people don't weigh that out today any longer. Do you guys know just a few generations ago, people walked around with a healthy fear of eternal damnation? They knew they were in sin. Guys, there is no sin today because there is no God. That's what we think. And we do that. We suppress the truth. Why? Because we love the darkness. We love our sin. Anyways, you guys know this stuff. Back to this point, though. Right now, okay, you can say, I've trusted in Christ. All my sin, the past, the present sin, even the sins yet to come, the future sin, are forgiven and God remembers the sin no more that's the blessing of the gospel there's also a paternal forgiveness and this is the restoration of fellowship with God the father after the believer has broken fellowship by continued or unconfessed sin okay and we need to confess it's an important part. We need to repent and turn to the Lord, but we can't do that. We can't be close to him. He's a holy God. And yes, he's done everything so we can be forgiven and have a right standing before him. But we, okay, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Okay, he still loves us. But when we sin, you guys understand we start building a wall. We start breaking the fellowship. We start moving away. He's still right there. We're still his kid. But because of our sin, there can be a detachment on our end. And there's a few things that the Bible speaks to this, okay? With the believer's fellowship with God, the conditions to the kind of forgiveness really are twofold, we're told, in scriptures. And one of those is the importance of confession. You guys can jot down 1 John 1, 9. It says this, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unwickedness. 
He's faithful to do that. Do we confess on a regular basis? Well, not really, Pastor, because I'm saved by the blood of the Lamb. I'm all about God's grace. We're all good to go. True, but there's still a place to confess. Why? Because it is scriptural. It is right. And if you have done it, you know how good it is. There's nothing like coming clean. Lord, I'm sorry. You know, I've willfully, or I'm sinning and I don't even know it because I'm just a flesh bomb and it's just part of my nature and the way I think, the way my heart can get hard towards you and things. I'm sorry. I confess I need your help. Forgive me, please. And it's so good when we do that because what happens? That relationship is instantly restored. And don't we see that in the most common of relationships? I see that even with my own kids. There can be things where it's just, hey, fellowship's broken. Things aren't clicking the way they normally do. What's going on? And sometimes it's me just having to man up and say, sorry, son. (laughs) I've provoked you. I haven't been loving and gracious like God's called me to do as a daddy. (laughs) Would you forgive me? And you know what happens? Instant forgiveness. Hugs. I love it. Okay. But that's how we function. How much more is a perfect father, (laughs) you know, going to embrace in that relationship restored. Another one you can jot down is John 13, 10. Guys, remember Jesus speaking to Peter while he's washing the disciples' feet? He said, a person who is bathed already, so this is speaking about believers, bathed all over, does not need to wash except for his feet to be entirely clean. Sin, we get a little dirty in life and it just needs to be washed off. How do we do that? Okay. Was Jesus washing the feet, wasn't he? Lord, I got a little dirty, got a little mucked up. I was having a conversation with a coworker today that just was not honoring to you. And I feel dirty. I'm sorry for the words that came out of my mouth. Forgive me. I'm sorry for the way I snapped at my husband. Forgive me. It's just little things, guys, you know, but we feel it. Oh, I feel a little dirty. You know, guys like me, I just need a shower. I feel like that with God sometimes. Lord, just cleanse me. Thank you. And he's faithful to do that. Last one, there's a bunch of scriptures on it, but I like Matthew 6, 12. You guys know the Lord's prayer well. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who've sinned against us. And remember, this is part of our daily prayer as a believer. Okay, forgiveness is a huge part and confessing our sin is so essential. Moms and dad, teach your kids to confess sin, okay? A lot of them, they're good little kids because you're awesome parents, but guess what? They're little sinners still, okay? (laughs) They need to learn confession, and unless you're willing to do it, okay, what example are they going to have of what confession looks like? Be real in prayer with them. Confess sin. Exemplify that for them. And then that leads us to forgiveness of others. And that really ties now into the third type of forgiveness that I want to talk to you guys about. And that is personal forgiveness. This is the restoration of fellowship with another human being. And that is so important. So this is a facet of forgiveness that's so important to Jesus. um, That conditions of our forgiveness and restoration to fellowship with the Father is really the willingness to forgive others. Okay, we can't be right with him unless we're right with others. That's how God wants us to roll. He's made us relational. You guys can take a moment and jot down all these scriptures. Speak to that specifically. You can look them up later. But personal forgiveness has that vertical 
dimension to it. We must release that person to God. Okay? If we've been sinned against, okay, we release them to God. And then there's that personal forgiveness. That becomes the horizontal part. You guys see how that's across? We have the vertical with God. Now we have the horizontal with one another. That dimension, we must confront the offender and forgive if they repent. It's a beautiful thing. A lot of us just want to run. Well, forget you. You a sinner? You know, they could say the same thing to you. We're all sinners. Let's turn to Luke chapter 17 together. And then we'll come back to Matthew 18. Luke 17, I want to look at verses 3 and 4 with you. It says, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you, saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Now there's two things I want us to catch this morning. If he repents, and if he says, okay? Not necessarily shows repentance, it just, if he says it, okay? You might think, well then, I'm just being taken advantage of. What's up with that, Jesus? Well, what Jesus here, if Jesus asked the same question right before going to the cross, what if he would have asked that? Well, you know, would I still forgive them? If they don't do their part good enough, you know, bummer on all of us, right? Because as I read in the scripture, they were screaming out, crucify them. They were getting what they wanted. And there were only a few there at the cross who were broken over Jesus being put to death. So God, he absorbed the hurt of our sin upon the cross and he offers forgiveness. He offers reconciliation. I want to add a PS to that thought, guys. There's not going, or they're not going to get away with murder, okay? Uh, maybe get away with it from you, but it's not from God. You guys understand when a person sins, who do they sin against? It's God. A lot of times we want to, how dare they do that against me? Well, we didn't author what's right and wrong. God did. He authored it. When we sin, we sin against God. So, that's where we can just leave it with him. I don't know if you guys caught the woe. Okay, it still hangs around the neck, the millstone that we talked about last week. The first two verses here in Luke 17 speak to that millstone. So how often then, okay, how often should we forgive sin? What is our part? That's what Matthew's going to fill us in on this morning. Let's go back to Matthew 18. Jesus in this chapter has began to teach, and I'm so thankful because it is so practical. When it comes to the issue of unforgiveness, I think this is probably one of the biggest issues for all human beings upon this planet, especially in the church. Let's look at verse 21 together. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him up to seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. So seven times. Okay, maybe this was from uh, the Day of Atonement that we read about back in Leviticus chapter 16. You guys remember there, they would go and sprinkle blood how many times? 
seven times, okay? One to atone for the sins of the world with the goat, and then there would be another scapegoat, and then another sevenfold sprinkling of a bull's blood for the sins of the priest and his family personally. Or maybe it's what the Jews understood from the book of Job. They had an understanding of Job 33 verses 29 and 30 of forgiving three times. This was very important. You have to do it three times. Behold, God works all things twice. In fact, three times with a man to bring back his soul from the pit that he may be enlightened with the light of life. So I don't know what Peter's attitude was here. You know, as a Jewish man, yeah, I'll go big. Yo, Jesus, what if I forgive somebody seven times? Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't that be generous, right? I don't know if that's what he was thinking or not, but imagine Jesus answering, yes, Peter, that's enough. Would the story today be totally different than what we're diving into? Would we be getting away from the heart of God? Yeah, that's what we do. The flesh loves rules and regulations. What can I do? What can I number? How much? That's it. You see, Jesus doesn't unlimited mercy encourage the life of sin. We don't see that. But Jesus, wouldn't, uh, wouldn't you agree enough is enough? Okay, you're God. You're just. An eye for an eye, right? Fair is fair. Did 490 times startle Peter? 70 times 7, Peter. Who could keep track of that many offenses? Honestly, who could? Are you being literal right now, Jesus? 490 times? Seven was wrong? But 490 is what, what's a go? No, that was not the point. What does 1 Corinthians 13.5 tell us? The love chapter. Well, love keeps no record of wrongs. None. None. Um, <clears throat> I have a love-hate relationship with marital counseling. I don't know if the lemurs would testify that. They love marriage, marriage counseling. That's why we let them do that stuff. Uh, <laughs> I, the love part, love part is I know God has so much more for each and every one of us in our marriages. I know the heart of God. You look at the design and what he has spoken to in marriage. It is a beautiful thing. There's a beauty of holiness in there. There's a completion to glorify the Lord. Okay, It's a relational picture of the gospel. There's just so much beauty in marriage and knowing what God has. The part I hate about it is sitting down with a husband and wife, and they have a record of wrongs. And they begin to share the record of wrongs. And that record of wrongs, the list seems to grow just in our counseling time. It's just like they come in, well, we're going to address this. Now it's just everything in the world. And that's the part I hate. Because husbands, wives, we are called to love each other, to respect each other. And love keeps no records of wrongs. And if we're walking in the Lord, we're going to be able to forgive offenses. We're moving on. Okay, we're not going to remember. We're not going to keep track. Well, I keep doing this, and you're not doing that. That is just the flesh. That is our sin nature. We want our rights. There is no, hey, God's called me to love. It's not a 50-50 thing God asked me to do in marriage. God asked me personally to be 100% in, despite what they ever do or don't do. God's called me to love them and serve them to the day I die. So, Jesus 
Forgive that many times and you'll be in the habit of forgiving. Okay, 490 times. Really? You want me to do that many times? Yeah. Could you guys see you forming a habit of forgiveness if you actually just kept choosing to do it? You know, I'm a hundred something in. <laughs> now I'm just, I'm done counting. I'm just forgiven. That's just the way I roll now. Okay. That's what God's asking us to do. And as long as one can say, I have forgiven my brother X a number of times, one is not showing forgiveness. Okay. It's not about keeping track. So the answer of how often is quickly answered by every time. Can you guys write that down in your notes? How much is enough? Every time. How often? Every time. So the fundamental error was trying to put a limit on forgiveness. With love, there can be no limits. So it's true, Peter didn't go far enough, but we can go, at, can, can we go as far? I believe so. So when was the last time that you had to go seven? Think about that. When's the last time you had to go seven? You see, I love where Jesus takes us this morning because he's going to get into a parable here set before us. But he doesn't tell of a story of a man who repeatedly, day after day, stands before the master and asks for forgiveness for his sins that he is repeatedly uh, committing. Instead, to give the expression of our debt with God, he teaches the story of a man who owed his master uh, a tremendous debt. So let's take a look here. Uh, forgiveness uh, at its finest. And this will be scene one of the parable. Let's pick it up in verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle his accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle his accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before, his, uh, before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him his debt. Now in verse 23, we see and we want to note that the overall theme, which is verse 35, is really a brother-to-brother -brother forgiveness. That's the theme of this whole parable that Jesus is sharing. So one of the most effective ways that God has for us keeping us uh, forgive, forgiveness conscious um, in our lives is really our relationship with other believers. This is how he's going to keep us in that place. So in the daily pressure and disagreements of life, we have many reminders of what God has done for us. In the verse 24 and 25, uh, here we just have pure justice, right? Fair is fair. This is justice. The servant did owe a debt that was never an issue. It was a debt the servant could not pay back. So a talent was the largest uh, denomination of monetary system of the day. Uh, just to give us some comparison, you guys remember Herod the Great back then? Okay, His annual revenue was around 900 talents, which would be about $10 million 
um, in today's buying power. So since God's love can't be measured, it's approximated with a sum that ran up into the millions. We can't count it. We can't make sense of it. Um, so a man uh, would have to work, catch this, 15 years to earn one talent. 15 years of labor for one talent. So if you guys catch this, this is enormous amount Okay, Jesus is saying this in such a way to really impress the hearer of the traumatic circumstance that this debtor was in. So if you took 10,000 times 15 years, you'd have 150,000 years of work to pay back the debt. Do you guys understand what Jesus is getting at? It ain't doable. Ain't gonna happen. It's not a possibility. This guy's in trouble, and he knows it. So man's debt is so great that God has to forgive us infinitely more than in the numerical count of 70 times 7. So this man was absolutely helpless, except for one thing. Did you guys catch it? The king was a man of compassion. Wow, the king. The king is likened to who here in this story? God. What? God's compassionate? Yeah, read the Bible all over. He assumed the loss and he forgave the servant. So the servant was 100% undeserving of this. So one was brought to him. Did you guys catch that? So he would have never came on his own. Okay. I feel that way today a lot of, about a lot of people. They know that they've sinned so bad. And so much, they know that God is just, that he's fair, that it is holy, that they are so ashamed. They know that they've done so wrong, that there is no hope that they can't come. Okay, If you don't believe me, sign up and start doing jail ministry. There are so many people that come in broken. There is no way God could ever, ever forgive me for what I have done. But the cool thing is, we know the God of the Bible, and we know what the gospel says, right? So this person, sometimes I feel like we actually have to go get those people and bring them to Jesus, okay? Because they're never going to come. They're never going to see because they're in that place of being so condemned already. So he also would have run up his debt unto 20,000 talents for sinners love storing up even greater sums, right? Okay? The New King James Version tells us that we like to treasure up. You guys can jot down Romans chapter 2, verse 5. It says this, But because you are stubborn and you refuse to turn from your sin, you are treasuring up or you're storing up terrible punishment for yourselves. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Wow. That's our tendency, isn't it? And you look at that, that's what sin does. It just snowballs. It gets bigger, worse. So verse 26, what does he do? He pleads for mercy, not remission. He promised restitution, which we know he couldn't ever pay back. Then verse 27, he receives what he least expected. Okay? An acquittal. And this is incredible. What joy. Do you guys try to put yourself in this man's shoes? Here's a debt I could never repay. This king has had compassion upon me. It's com completely forgiven. 
The debt is completely gone. All of it. What a joy. What kindness. Okay. Must have hit this man. So how will he show his gratitude? How will he show his gratitude? How do we as Christians show our gratitude in all that God has forgiven us of? Justice should share the joy. Would you guys agree with me? Well, let's look at scene two together. Verse 28. But the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. What's a hundred denarii? Hang on, we'll get there in a second. It's a little less than a talent. And he laid his hands on him and he took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not, but he went and he threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So we see here descending down the steps in verse 28 of the royal palace, he runs into a buddy who owes him four months wage. Four months. Not 150,000 years of labor, just four months of labor. So this servant immediately takes the place of me and the policeman, the judge, the jury. Okay? I'm doing it all here. It's amazing how quick this mercy was forgotten. The debt was insignificant compared to what the servant had owed the king, but what he should have shared was the joy of that release. A truly forgiven man reflects God's mercy and compassion. A A truly forgiven man will reflect God's mercy and compassion. I want you guys to catch the plea that was made in verse 29. I don't think it's by accident it's identical. Exactly the same plea. At least this man had a good shot of paying it back. He gives no time in which to pay it back. No interest to tack onto it. Not even the slightest budge to work with him. So not that he could not, but... He would not. Instead of letting mercy triumph, he chose that justice triumph. I love this quote by uh, George Herbert. He said, He who cannot forgive breaks the bridge over which he himself must pass. So he wanted justice. So in turn, he had to face the king one last time to receive justice and receive justice back. So often we look at justice as the norm and mercy as the occasional abandonment to the norm. We look at showing mercy out of our right when we feel like we're being, you know, lenient. Hey, I'm going to choose to be merciful. You know, I'm feeling good today. Let's look at the end of this parable. We see a mad master here. Scene 3, verse 31. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, 
I forgave you (laughs) that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master, verse 34, was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if you are do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Wow. Jesus is being pretty straightforward about a whole lot of stuff here in chapter 18, isn't he? And I'm thankful. God doesn't want us playing games. He knows what's best. His ways are way better than ours. He's much wiser than ours. And he's telling us, watch out for a heart of bitterness. You need to be forgiving as I am forgiving. Be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful, right? So this last act here, okay, in this drama, he faces an angry master. Justice is administered without mercy. So the forgiven man did have a legal right to throw him into prison, but he didn't have the moral right. You see, the forgiven man um, blew it. Verse 31, we're told here that the servants uh, were very grieved, okay? And then the king was angry. So we grieve one another's sin, but God has a pure hatred over it. You guys understand that? God hates sin. It has to be dealt with. If it didn't, Jesus never would have had to hang on a cross 2,000 years ago. God takes sin serious. Okay? And that's one of those things, guys. We get to love all people. Do you know that? There's only one person I hate in this world. I'll be honest with you. I hate Satan. Guy sucks. Okay? <laughs> but we're called to love. And I can say I love all people. It's hard to like all people, but I love them. Why? Because I know my Heavenly Father loves them. And how can I not love them if my dad loves them? That's just it. We know God so loved the world. He loves all people. He doesn't want to see anybody perish. Man, the grace of God that found me, maybe somebody's super stupid. <laughs> you know, what are you thinking? Are you really that? Re- there go I, but by the grace of God. You guys understand that? Okay. So we are called to love. Okay. But do we need to be accepting and loving of people's sin? Absolutely not. Okay. Again, because I have a lot of respect for my dad. <laughs> I'm going to hate what he hates. Okay, That's what he's called us to do. So we can love a person and hate their sin. Does that make sense? It's a bummer that the world wants to say, hey, you Christians, you're a bunch of haters. No, we're a bunch of lovers. The problem is you have a problem that I want to honor God, that I want to believe what God says. And you're not tolerant of that. And you're asking me to be tolerant of your sin. Okay, And not everybody's logical. So do we start hating them because they're not logical? No, we start praying for them more. Amen? Sorry, sidetrack back here, verse 32. Because you begged me, okay? Because you begged me, not because you deserved it. Some of us think, well, I'm pretty great. (laughs) I am a sinner, pastor, but not as bad as my neighbor. You should come over for a visit and meet him. We're all sinners, guys. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, each and every one of us. None of us deserve what we deserve. If we really got what we deserve, what would that be, guys? Hell, 
eternal separation from a holy God, right? Hell. So verse 33, the guilt laid here to his charge is not the needing mercy. He refused to show it, but having received mercy, he remains unmerciful still. Shame on him. You guys can jot this down. To be forgiven is the root. To forgive is the flower. You guys understand? Until we receive forgiveness personally, we're not going to be able to forgive others. So the king originally delivered him from prison, but the servant put himself back in. So you want justice? Okay, so be it. There you go, buddy. James 2.13, you guys can jot that down. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. So pay all that was due to him. Okay, he's expressing the eternal duration of the punishment. Verse 35, and I want us to note this. This is a huge part of forgiveness. The verse stresses that forgiveness is a matter of what? It's of the heart. <laughs> That's the problem. Well, because they sinned, all of this happened. This happened to me. That was taken away from me. There was loss. There was pain. There's hurt. And what's going on is there's a heart thing. You see, if forgiveness just was just a feeling you would have towards somebody, or are there some definite conditions that must be met if forgiveness is to be real? Well, the Lord said here, "May my heart be as, or our prayer should be as, our heart be ready to pardon offenses as it is to beat." Okay, and why? Because that's our heavenly Father's heartbeat. He is willing to forgive. Now, a couple thoughts as we wrap up this morning. Um, you can write this down too. We need to receive forgiveness, okay? Experience forgiveness, and then share forgiveness. It's easy to do one or two of them, but to do all three is pretty hard, isn't it? So have you only received forgiveness? Or have you really experienced it to the point that you want to share it with others? And if you're not willing to extend forgiveness to somebody, I don't think you've really experienced the forgiveness of God. Okay, And that's where we need to receive it. Life is long, guys. We're going to have a lot of ups and downs. We're going to go through a lot of hurts and pains, betrayals, trials. There's going to be things that have done been done wrong to us and in that guys we need to choose to receive god's forgiveness in that that we're able to extend because i believe that god gives grace in the midst of those things he's able to move and to work even when we do the wrong thing in those things sometimes but we have to be in a place to receive personally so i've been in some pretty nasty prisons in the world uh, stateside, our prisons are wonderful. Uh, most of our prisons are better living conditions than some people have um, other places in the world. But I've been in some pretty nasty um, prisons, uh, places that held many, too many for its space that didn't even have a toilet, and people are not allowed to uh, be released outside to go. 
complete cement, one little block like that for the window. Um, yeah, and that was for juveniles, that prison. Um, but the world's worst prison is the prison really of an unforgiving heart, guys. I think that is worse for any human being than any living situation <laughs> we might be thrown into. Because God cares about our hearts. And that's where so much of what we go through in this life, that's where it takes place. And an unforgiving heart is a very hard thing to live with, very hard place to be in. Some of the most miserable people are the people that have not forgiven somebody. Not forgiven. I mentioned before, jail ministry. You to spend five years almost on a daily basis spending time with inmates. And some of the ugly in their life, just looking into what they had to grow up with and deal with, the chaos that they chose to continue to live in, all really boiled back down to the point there was unforgiveness in their heart that they weren't willing to deal with and get over with. And for some of them, they weren't able to even come to uh, a faith in Christ because of unforgiveness in their heart. Well, if God is a God of love and he would do these things, why would he ever allow those things to have happened to me? And because of that unforgiveness, it's keeping them from eternal life. That's how sad it can get. But I have to ask the question, because I love you guys, is that you? We can go through the motions. We can play church. We can put on a smile when we come here. And some of us maybe have been able to do it for many, many, many years. But there's still that unforgiveness there, and it's stunted us. A rusted development, let's say. <laughs> we haven't been able to grow. We haven't been able to move past that. That needs to be dealt with. You see, we are the losers if we do not forgive others. That's about it. That might sound harsh, but you're a loser if you're not willing to forgive. And you're going to live the rest of your life like a loser. God knows what's best for us. We need to forgive so we have nothing to lose and we have everything to gain as believers. Everything to gain, brother and sister. So when we practice forgiveness, there is great benefit. And it is something we need to practice. I mean, show of hands, how many of you guys have had to practice forgiveness just this last week? Yeah, it's almost a daily thing that we go through in this life with relationships. It's just part of who we are. But when we start doing it God's way, it will become habitual. And in that, we will find joy. We will find happiness. Because when we are receiving forgiveness, we're able to give forgiveness. And then the world looks in and says, why are you doing that? I would never do that. Well, let me share why I'm so quick to forgive. Why I don't need to stand in my rights. Why it's not about me. Why I can love this person who's been hating it's because I've met the greatest lover of all time. I've met the greatest forgiver of all time. And he wants to meet you too. Ephesians is already up there. 
I love this verse. Chapter 4, verse 32. It tells us to be kind to one another, tenderhearted. And how do we do that, guys? Well, it's forgiving one another, just as Christ is forgiving you. This one verse is pretty much the whole teaching this morning. If we would just believe this one scripture, if we would just believe it and do it, wow, how many people would be set free? Think about that. There is nothing, guys, that any of you have done that is so wrong and so big and so sinful that God can't forgive you. Okay, our God did it all, every single sin, past, present, and future, every single one he took upon himself on that. He became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. He was willing to forgive. And if we really receive that, we really will be able to extend that forgiveness. Okay? I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying it's doable with God's help. Amen? Amen. Stand to our feet and we'll close in prayer. If I could have the elders come forward, I'll close our time in prayer. But if any of you guys want personal prayer, maybe the Holy Spirit's been speaking to your heart this morning about forgiveness, forgiving others. A few weeks ago we looked at what restoration looks like and wanting to see relationships restored. Forgiveness is a part of that for a lot of those situations, but I'd encourage you to come up and uh, pray uh, with one of your brothers. Let's pray now. Father, we are thankful for your word. We are thankful, God, um, that you know how to deal with our hearts. God, we know they're good at deceiving us, uh, but you're greater than our hearts, and you know what's needed. You're able to uh, weed out those roots of bitterness and I know it's easy to become embittered at so many things, not even just other people, just things that are going on in the world. It's just so easy uh, to become hard and just want to disconnect and to run. Father, but you've asked us, Lord, to engage, God, to be a part of what you're up to uh, in this world today. And that's our desire, Father. We want to be in step with you, and we know part of that is being like you. It's being merciful. It's being forgiving. It's being loving, Lord. And I pray that you'd help us to do that and to do it well, to teach us. I know it's a learning curve. It doesn't come naturally, Father, but you've given us a new heart. You've given us of your spirit to help us, and we're so thankful in that. And I pray that we would just walk uh, in who we are as your kids, Father, to follow in your footsteps in that way, to be quick to forgive. And God, we just want to th say thank you, too. We know that you have done a great thing to forgive a great debt in which each and every one of us owed. <laughs> um, we're so sorry for our sin, God, even the sin we continue to do, Father, and we know you forgive us, but we know that you're working in us, you're changing us, Father, pray you'd help us not to grieve your spirit in any way, that we'd receive well from you, that we take your word serious and be doers of it, God, that we may not sin against you because you are good, you are worthy. I pray you'd help each and every one of my brothers and sisters to learn to receive well. Teach me to do that. 
Father, we want to do so much on our own, in our own power in the flesh. God, we pray that you'd help us, Lord, to get over ourselves and just to uh, do it your way, because it is good. And we do pray for those uh, skunks in our life, Lord, and we want things our way. God, um, just help us to see that they are your creation, Lord, especially others. We know that we've been made in your image. Help us to see them in that way. Help them to see. Help us to see that they are somebody that you loved uh, and died for. That you do love. Uh, yeah. Thank you that your ways are good. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you, and thanks for listening to today's message. For more information on Freedom Fellowship Church or to hear other teachings, please visit our website, cometofreedom.com, or interact with us at facebook.com slash Church.